But hey, guys, this is the 215 Seabird Podcast. This podcast dives into the Philadelphia Phillies and baseball. I'm one of your co hosts, Austin Cass, and I'm here with Connor Doherty and Dylan Campbell. Today, there's a lot of stuff to talk about in baseball, especially the Manfred situation, the new CBA rules, and much more coming up. Since this is our first podcast, I will be talking about myself first, just to go in order. Um, I'm Austin Cass. I'm a 23-year-old fanatic from the Philadelphia area. I grew up loving the Philadelphia sports, especially the Phillies. Baseball has been a passion, especially its history. It's such a beautiful thing to look at, and I'm just very excited to share that passion with you guys. How about you, Connor? What's going on, guys? I'm Connor. Uh, I'm a 19-year-old sophomore student at Clifton University. Uh, same as Austin over there. Pretty cool. I'm currently studying sport management and English, and I've been blogging for Phil's Nation since roughly August uh, 2021, and also a blogger for Flyers Nitty Gritty uh, for a little bit longer, October 2020. Um, I'm a huge Phillies fan. I was at Game 3 of the World Series in 2008 and Game 4 in the World Series in 2009. Uh, That game, I almost got my dad arrested while I was a 7-year-old. I'll, uh, I'll elaborate on that a little bit later, but a little bit about my baseball playing career. I've been playing baseball since I was roughly three years old, uh, kind of retired now, but I'm an assistant high school baseball coach at Coastown Area High School. How about you, Dylan? Yeah, so uh, so like Austin, I'm another 23-year-old fanatic uh, from Center City. It's a good college grad in 2020, uh, you know, Massive Phillies fan, just like all of you. I played baseball my whole life, a little bit at college as well, and uh, excited to be here. I didn't get my dad arrested at the World Series game, but we've almost got arrested at others, so there you go. Hey, I've been to a Philly Philly sports game unless you've almost gotten arrested. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I completely agree, and that has happened. I don't think that has happened to me before, though, sadly, so <laughs> now I feel like I'm really not It's a bucket list uh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? I said it's a bucket list thing for sure. All right, so I think first in order is actually um, to go and talk about this moment. I actually need to hear this story. Like, I was trying not to laugh, but, like, when you said that, I was legit about to, like, burst laughing. <laughs> I even know. Yeah, so uh, basically uh, we are sitting along, along the first baseline. Um, it was right after – I don't know if you guys remember or not uh, – home run that Alex Rodriguez hit off the camera and they were I think they went into like either review it or the umpires were talking about it or something like that and there was a Yankees fan sitting behind me and my dad and he was the only Yankees fan in the section and you know how they give out like those rally towels you sure yeah the white ones yeah uh, I got one and me being seven years old I didn't know any better and whenever they rolled it a home run, he was like, yeah, like, nice, good work, A-Rod, or, I don't know, some some dumb shit that a Yankees fan would say. And I turned around and just whacked him with my towel. <laughs> and, like, he just started giving it to me. And my dad, being the good guy that he is, like, standing up for me. And uh, security, I think they were, like, looking down at us, not really sure what to do, not really sure if it was anything major or not. But, uh yeah, it started to get a, a little bit rowdy, and I think uh, once the once the dick from New York realized that I was seven, uh, <laughs> he probably toned it down a little bit. But uh, if you come to uh, if you come into Philly, you better be prepared to uh, go to fight for your team. 
because I will give it to you like every other Philly fan. We are crazy and we love it that way. I completely agree with you, man. You got when you're a Philadelphia sports fan, there's nothing. You gotta bring it and just because it's, it's nothing better. Like especially when you go to Australia and a newscaster's like, "Oh, you Philadelphia sports fans, you guys are the worst." I'm like, "How do you even know?" But uh, oh my, well, we're a real story. I don't even want to dive mm-hmm. into that because you really love talk about naturally hated. <laughs> As you can tell, having coughs. Don't know if it's a COVID yet or not. Well, hopefully it's not. But uh, we. I'm just t- making sure it doesn't get any worse. And I'm just quarantining in my house. Doing the smart thing. He's doing his part. Exactly. Doing my part. He might be on the uh, on the 10-day IL soon. We don't know, guys. Yeah, exactly. I, well, actually, it's five days now. But I'm going to stay. Five days. But honestly, I'm just going to stay inside because I work inside. Like, where I'm at is legit where I'm at about 24-7 of my life. But uh, anyway, I think it's time cool. that we should maybe talk about the upcoming stuff. Uh, Tony, Dad, to Dylan, you want to talk first about your one of your first topics? Sure. I mean, I guess I just wanted to dive into a little bit of the uh, lockout with the players and the owners. And there's more news coming out. Um, and this kind of spans across sports. But more news coming out today that they haven't really reached any kind of agreement. Um, and they haven't really been talking to each other. And Ken Rosenthal just got let go by the MLB Network because he wasn't speaking well on the commissioner. And I think it's kind of a funny place we've gotten ourselves into where it impacts the game on kind of multiple areas. First off, you think about the fans and you think about, hey, if we have another COVID-type situation in which you can avoid it, you know, like in 2020 when they could have had a much longer season and they only had their little 60-game, you know, charade, uh, if they kind of do that because of greed again and because they want more money, I think it's going to look really bad on a sport that's not very popular on a national scale, you know, regionally everyone loves baseball and it does very well, but it's not going to look good for a sport that can't really compete as well nationally with like the NBA or the NFL. Um, And then I think more interestingly on a Phillies perspective, how does this lockout affect our young players, you know, so in the injured guys. Um, So going into spring training, we know Bryce Harper will be fine. We know JT will be fine. Those guys, nothing changes for them, but what happens for uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez coming back from his Tommy John surgery when he might be back in the DR right now? And we don't know what kind of throwing program he's going under. I know he's not playing winter ball, what kind of therapy he's doing. Uh, it gets worrisome. And you think about Zach Eflin, who they refuse to release a timeline on for his injury progress. When he's not around the Phillies staff, I'm sure he's getting good help, and I'm sure he's doing good PT, but you would think they want to be monitoring him. Even guys like uh, Bryson Stott coming up, if he doesn't have a spring training and kind of that like incubatory period, which we all really want and think he could thrive in, I'm assuming you guys do too, and think that maybe this is the year he takes the reins from GD Gregorius, what happens if he has to go play minor league ball and he doesn't get to play major league ball and they don't get to see him? You know, the guys don't get to see him at all because the minor league season will start. Um, I think it's April 1st or March 30th or something. But uh, I think it's interesting with like our young players coming in and they don't have contact with the team. What's going to happen to them? How will that impact us going forward? Now, there's one thing I actually didn't know. I didn't know minor league was not also in a lockout. How is that? Yeah. That was not the case. So if you're on the 40-man, you are locked out. You can't like talk to the team or anything. But the minor league season will begin, and that will begin normally. And minor league transactions have happened and are able to happen. 
I think the Rule 5 draft will still happen, potentially. Yeah, that's um, why uh, teams are going out and signing some players to, uh, yeah. like, minor league deals. Exactly. Um, just little transactions like that are still allowed to happen. And go ahead, Austin, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. Just don't, dude, don't worry. I'm a very – this is the podcast. <laughs> but uh, I, I just actually didn't know that. That's kind of, like, crazy to me because I just don't realize – how like different the minor league can be in baseball, and it's kind of crazy that like the popularity of minor league baseball could even rise from this. But I completely agree with you, Dylan. It's, it's cool. We had like Bryson Scott, for example. You're right. Like he, him not having that experience is not going to be helpful for his mm-hmm. growth from baseball, and it's just not going to really benefit the team a lot. We really had to find ways to like. I, if like we were an organization, it would be we would really not want this lockout to happen, and you should just give the players what they want because really, that's in my belief is that the owners are the owners, but the players are what makes the owners get the more money. So why are the owners complaining if the players are getting the money? I understand like the whole assets of like like how owners should get something in return as well, but like players should <laughs> they're getting a lot, <laughs> but like yeah, a player should be also given like the respect from the owners. It's just kind of insane to me. And then, like, well, I mean, I mean, I think, I think Austin, it's it's greed, right? It's corporate exactly. greed. We see it with John Middleton, and he just refuses to pay the luxury tax because he doesn't want to pay more money for his team to be better. But hey, John, no one's going to show up if the team isn't better. We saw it with Jalen Hurts sidestepping that, uh, you know, fence falling out of FedEx Stadium on Sunday because they want to cram more people into the tunnel seats. Uh, in Washington, and Dan Snyder wants to make an extra buck to risk life and limb in the career of our quarterback. So, so actually, yeah, as a kind of side note on that, it's actually kind of the opposite. So, when I so do you know more? Oh, you, oh, you were there. I went to the game, and we were, were at FedEx. White beams across the stadium, like kind of like going around it. And I was like, oh, is that just for decoration? That's terrible decoration. Well, I was told different things, but yesterday I was on Reddit and I posted about how bad FedEx Field was. Just by the way, it's a dump, right? I actually passed RFK where the Washington Senators and Nationals used to play, so this can be tied in with baseball. I liked RFK even more than FedEx, and it was deteriorating. Turns out they couldn't fit fans in, so he actually took seats out. (laughs) So he legit removed seats, and those white seats used to be. I was dying when to I to make it look better. Uh, I was like, "That's hilarious." You, are you serious? Like, that's, that's how bad a fan base is. You have to remove seats. Like, unbelievable. Um, I think uh, Merrill Reese even skipped that game. He skipped um, it. Yeah. Some some right, uh, football outlet. Yeah, some football outlet posted on Twitter that Merrill Reese called it like a dump, and the entire Eagles radio broadcast team. Uh, didn't even show up to the game, which is hilarious and awesome. It's such and, a diss. <laughs> uh, yeah, they and, make your, they made me as a fan walk through a woods in a creek to get to the stadium. Like they don't have like they didn't have um, they so, get like you get the park fifty dollars on gravel lot. Fifty. Walk. I'm serious. Fifty dollars and like I could show you some of you guys in our chat. There's like a photo. We had to walk across a woods, cross a like a little creek and stuff, and then go up a hill. Just to get on the path to get to the stadium, it, it's terrible. And then, but, in a response to everyone hating on their stadium, they're gonna counter that by announcing their new name and logo. 
clown show down there, but it's a, it's a clown show. That is one name themselves, the Washington Traveling Circus, because the team sucks. Uh, yeah, the owner's not much better. RG three is coming out with a book. I could say the uh, is he coming out with a, like an expose? Because that guy is just a piece of trash. No, he is. It's yeah. not, I mean, for all I say, which I don't like, John Middleton for not spending more. There's no evidence that he's done. Stuff like that, you know. So no, at least there's no, not as much toxicity no, in the no, place no. here. Like I don't think he's a bad dude necessarily. He just doesn't spend money on the team. He's just a little stingy. Yeah. No, and I agree with that. I don't think he's a bad guy at all. Like I actually think he's a cool guy. Actually, he did some nice things. Like I think he was a part of the people that gave pizza to the pandemic crew during the the hype of the early pandemic. And he's just a nice guy. He just I think he's also worried about spending too much money for it to go to waste, which I. Kind of understand. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a you're a billionaire. That's how you get to that place. Yeah, right. you gotta exactly, exactly. And I, but I think he can do it now. Kind of like to cut off with that, Connor. Do you want to talk about a topic as well? Yeah. So uh, one thing that I was gonna maybe take a rundown was uh, if the CBA does come to some rule changes, like these are some some things that I would definitely expect uh, the DH and the National League. I think we all know it's pretty much a guarantee now. Um, I would look for Reese to uh, to hop in that role, and then maybe JT take some uh, take some time at first base to ease the pressure off his knees a little bit. He's getting older; had a bit of a down year last year, so I mean, maybe they go out and maybe Marshawn's the guy to uh, to step into that one B catcher's position, uh, backup position, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think players are also going to reach free agency sooner. Um, whether it's five years service time or 29 and a half years of age, I uh, don't know exactly which one it's going to be. I think it's actually going to be whichever one comes first. Um, so you can avoid messy arbitration stuff, right? Right. Like Chris yeah. Bryant. Yeah, I mean, gonna... Vladdy Jr. is probably going to make, like, only six digits next year. That's really? Six digits. Yeah, because. Wow. What is he? He was a rookie in 2020, correct? Correct. Or 2019. Yeah. 2019. Okay, so he'd be going into it. So he probably won't make uh, six digits. But, I mean, it, it'll only be, like, maybe one and a half, two million dollars. Like, someone like Pete Alonso, he won the uh, home run derby and made a million dollars because I think that's what the uh, the prize was for the winner. Mm-hmm. And they, I think they talked about it on the broadcast. Like, his his salary is 560 less, yeah. Or something like that, which wow. is absurd for the player that he is. Like, so, even Juan Soto probably made close to 500K last year second or third in MVP voting, which is a joke. Um, also, I don't. I think they're going to stick with a uh, no salary cap. Um, so teams like the A's are going to probably stay the A's. Uh, as, bad as, it, as bad as it is for the, uh, the teams with a little bit less money, um, I think that's – the owners are going to keep it like that because they're going to give the players the DH. They're going to give them uh, free agency sooner. So I think like someone like Steve Cohen with the Mets who are going out and signing every single free agent, it's annoying. But since players are getting DH and 
earlier free agency. Uh, they're also gonna the owners are gonna have to keep something, and that's gonna be the no salary cap. How do you um, guys kind of piggybacking off that? Think that will impact the game as a whole? Because I think there's there's a disparity between teams that spend a lot and we the Phillies spend a lot and they're not very good and teams that don't spend a lot and can't afford to spend a lot. So the Rays don't spend a lot, but they're good. But the Orioles and the A's don't spend a lot and they're falling apart. And how do we fix that problem of kind of tanking, right? And not being good and not even really trying to win as the Orioles have for maybe the past five, six years. And they get these draft picks, but it's not like the NFL or the NBA where you get a, top three, top five pick, and they turn your team around. How do you yeah, think that will like impact? an immediate impact talent. And that actually goes into my next point. Like, maybe, I guess it's kind of like a pipe dream, but there's an idea out there that the MLB will institute, like, a draft lottery. Mm. And instead of, like, the Orioles, who will probably win 40 games this year, <laughs> they could win that many games and end up with, like, the 10th, maybe not the 10th pick, but somewhere yeah. around four or five. And they're a team that hasn't even really hit on any of their draft picks recently because they've been bad for not as long as the Phillies, but it feels that way because they don't they've have been like, a marquee name. They don't have yeah. like, a star <laughs> player. The Phillies have had, like, Reese Hoskins come through the pipeline. They've had Aaron Nola come through the pipeline. Like, there's no, maybe other than John Means and Manny Machado until they traded him, that those two are like the only two relevant players on the Orioles. Um, I know they have that one outfielder. I, I can't think of his name off the oh, top of my head. Um, the one I wanted to, to trade for, um, the corner outfielder. Yeah, or maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you. For what team? The Orioles. Uh, I mean, talking about Mullen. Yeah, that's who it is. Cedric. Yeah. Say him. Cedric Mullen. Yeah, he's a he's a beast. He's like. If you watch him play, he's like actually one of the best like outfielders in the league right now, along with Brian what, Reynolds, the guy in the Pirates. Mm-hmm. He's phenomenal. Yeah, um, but that like that's what I'm saying. You have him, and then you have Trey Mancini. After everything that he's been through with the cancer and the comeback, he's been a remarkable story. But those two, uh, Cedric Mullins and Trey Mancini, they're like the closest thing to a household name that you have in Baltimore. And when you play in a division with the Yankees and the Red Sox, like that's that's not really going to cut it. You got to start hitting on these draft picks uh, just to keep it like competitive. And the Phillies don't even have that great a draft record. But when they were like really really terrible from like 2014 to 2017 or 2018, like they had a few prospects come up and make names for themselves. That's where you get Reese Hoskins, Aaron Nola. Uh, Alfaro until they traded him in the uh, JT deal. Like, at some point, you can't keep rewarding bad teams for tanking, not spending money, and not hitting on the draft picks. Like, you got to come up with a way for them to actually try to stay competitive while opening up a window for the future. I agree. And you know what? I was kind of thinking, like, what if a way that they could actually go by with this rule with like keeping like I kind of do like having the luxury tax like no salary cap because it honestly gets kind of gives more ecstatic in baseball. But what if they kind of fix the luxury tax where if some of that tax actually can go to other franchises like lower franchise teams of that year like when they were 
like you know, like I don't know how to explain it. It's like, so let's say like a team is like really good and we're over the luxury tax. If that team is really good, the last place teams could get a bit of the pie of that. It might be an unfair advantage. But Instead of giving that to the league, it would go to the team. Yeah, like yeah, there's like the Dodgers. I think there's a system in place for that. I uh, actually learned about it last semester. It's the MLB's uh, revenue sharing through the uh, central fund. Like every team, um, every team in the MLB, whether you're the Yankees paying or the Dodgers paying 300 mil uh, on your team every year, or the Orioles or Pirates or Rays spending 30 mil, every team sends a portion of their revenue into the central fund. And there's an equation that breaks it up evenly. Like the, the teams that spend less are going to get more money. So there's less of a reason for them to spend. And then teams like the Dodgers and Yankees and Phillies, they're not going to get as much money because they already spend so much. So that's one way. And then back to the salary cap um, talk. If the MLB Ward Institute a salary cap, that would actually be one way to fix it. Because obviously, salary cap like you can't you can't be spending three hundred mil on your uh, on your roster. Um, that payroll, like I don't know what the salary cap would be, but that would be way over the cap. Um, there would be a salary cap floor too, <coughs> so teams would have to reach the salary cap floor. And if you don't reach the floor, you're like automatically assign players or I'm not sure what would happen if you don't reach the floor, but that is one way. That I think that'd be, it. sorry, not to cut you off. Interesting if there was a cap, because the worst case scenario is you could get like the NHL, but there could be a lot less elasticity between rosters in tr- terms of trades and whatnot. Cause like you're, you know, you trade for a guy and he really has to fit under that cap. If it's indeed like a hard cap instead of, you know, trading for a rental and it puts you over the tax or whatever that may be. I think that's interesting. Yeah, back to the uh, bet steal. They took, the Dodgers took on David Price, too, as like a, more of a salary dome for the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. But in reality, like David Price is former Cy Young winner, been to the playoffs multiple times. I mean, he won a ring with the Red Sox as well. He's not just a salary dump. They got even though he set out the season, he's a he's an experienced pitcher. He knows how to pitch, knows how to win games. Like he's an asset. He's not just a salary dump. Question for you guys. Um, do you think the Phillies so, you know, let's say hypothetically the you know, the tax thresholds is at like 212 million, 215 million. Do you think that the Phillies, with their payroll that it is right now, can compete for an NL East title without going over that tax? So, say you're adding a outfielder like a Schwarber or something for a 17 mil a year, and then maybe another couple corner pieces for nine, two, or six mil a year each. Um, do you guys think we can actually be competitive without breaking that ceiling, or do you think we need to? I personally like to think that we need to because, like, in my head, like, when you say, like, think about the sports itself, it's like, oh, they, if you just keep paying more, you can. But honestly, I don't think you need to. I think if you could find the right players for the job who you think is going to best fit the organization, like, I do think Kyle Schroeder is perfect for Philadelphia. Yeah, I think he just has a Philadelphia mindset. But if you go and look at the other players in that league and you kind of figure out, like, how things are done, I really think you get – 
repeat players who are not well known but perfect for the cup. I'm trying to think of a player that like is on the free agency that like we need that like could be perfect for us. And I think it was Brad Hand, but he got he got from, from what team was that? I'm not sure you got him. You could look at a guy like Castellanos as well, who I like a lot. Now he'll be a little bit pricier. So where you know, you may have Middleton indeed doesn't want to go over the cap, like skimp in other areas. So while I do agree, I think we need middle of the order presence. I really think that we need a top of the order presence and pitching depth, especially starting pitching depth, which isn't really talked about, but we don't know when Eflin's coming back. We don't know what Aaron Nola is going to look like. We hope Ranger can be good still. Now, Ranger doesn't really have, I hate to say it, elite stuff. He was really good for a kind of extended period of time. We don't know what he's going to look like over a full season as a starter. What do you guys think? Oh, dude, I, I actually like Ranger. I think he has a nasty fastball. I think he's he good. I think, you know, I mean, yeah, I do understand he doesn't have a lot to give. But personally, I always thought he was the best closer. But then I was really shocked though, to see how he was pitching as a starter. I think he's very underrated. I think he's going to be really self-looked at. And, like, when he's ever a free agent or for trading even, people are going to want him. If he can learn how to throw maybe a curveball, like a really nasty curveball, yeah. I could be one of the best pitchers in the nation. I think without a doubt. And I can I will, I, I believe that when I saw him, there was just something about him that, like, had this, like, fire in him. I don't know how to explain it. Like, it was like that. It was the, he's, like, the he's always calm. I know what you're talking yeah, about. He's always calm. Yeah, he's, he's never – it's like sometimes you gotta like feel for a pulse because he never he's kind of like Aaron Nola. Mm-hmm. Um, back when Aaron Nola was like one of the better pitchers in the league, there's not really a pulse. He shows no emotion. He's always calm, and he doesn't have the best stuff. But he's one of those guys that just knows how to pitch. He can hit his spots. Um, he's got like two or three good pitches that he can go to. He's got a pretty decent mix. Fastball slider, uh, probably another off-speed changeup, maybe. Changeup, yeah. Um, which is a basic niche, but when you know how to use them effectively and you can hit spots and you have someone as good as JT back there calling a game, then you know, like, hey, we got something to work with here. And whether it was teams not having a book on him really or who really knows, but, I mean, I, I think the Phillies have something there as – Maybe a number three if Eflin's back. Maybe he's a four. But I think if the rotation stays healthy, which is a big if with Eflin's knees, uh, Wheeler threw a lot of innings last year. Nola always collapses in September. Mm-hmm. But if that rotation can stay average to above average for 95% of the year, that's what the Phillies are around 80 wins. And if the bullpen is even close to league average. I mean, we're talking about a <laughs> potential division winner. I Even if the the bullpen's been bottom three in the league for the last, feels like 20 years, but even if they just move up to like, from like 28th to like 22nd, which is still atrocious and terrible, but that that's probably good enough to get them to 87 and 90 wins in if they come out of the CBA with an expanded playoff, like we're looking at a playoff team here. That'd be cool. I, yeah. And then 
to build off of that, um, another another outfielder that I would love to have here in Philly, and it seems like absolutely no one wants him, is Jorge Soler. Mm-hmm. He can hit at the top of the lineup. He's now, I don't know if he's a two-time World Series champion. I don't remember if he won one with Kansas City in 2015. I think he did. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, but the, the dude's just a monster. He hits leadoff. Um, he can play left field. You could probably throw him in center field if you really needed to, if uh, Moniak and Vierling weren't there yet. Um, but the dude just mashes. He'll hit probably between 240, 250, get on base at like maybe a 300 clip. But we're talking about 25 to 30 home runs in Philly. Um, I would take that coupled with 85 RBIs maybe. And, I mean, just maybe a league average defense, I think. Getting him on maybe a one- or two-year deal for, I don't know, maybe eight mil a year. <coughs> it's it's a lot less than Schwarber. It's a lot less than Castellanos. It's a definitely an unpopular pick, but I feel like he might be a better fit, necessarily. I don't know. What do you – like, I know – I think that's a good point. You guys both said Schwarber and Castellanos, but well, those guys Slayer, are, I think he's definitely worth a look. I think Solaire's a great idea because those guys are the big ticket names, but Solaire also addresses that need at the top of the lineup because in the one-two slots, we there was like a bottom, literally bottom two in the league, OP, uh, OBP and OBS, and they wanted to have Reese Hoskins hit second, and he's not really that kind of hitter anymore. You know, he's just a power hitter. So while I, I agree with the, you know, Schorber, Cassianos, big ticket move, I think I, I like what you're saying there, Connor, there's a big need for that top line lineup presence. Now, if you could somehow swing a Cedric Mullins trade, Brian Reynolds train, Keto Marte trade, that'd be cool. But Solera, I haven't thought of that. I think that's a great idea. Yes, yeah, Solera is actually, that was like one, I never even thought about him. He's, he is yeah, he's, he's, he flies so far under the radar. And he had, he's coming off a great postseason. So, obviously, his salary is probably going to be a little bit inflated, which I think for the Phillies, at least, maybe a one-year deal might be better. Hoping that maybe he hits – obviously, if you sign him, you want him to play well. But if he doesn't live up to that postseason, maybe after that you bring him back for two years at a cheaper price and hope that he can get back to his uh, postseason form from this year. And then even if he does just go off next year, then you bring him back um, for however much he wants. Okay, yeah, I do- I totally agree. Now, I actually want to touch base quick, and I feel bad always like moving around. Like that's one thing I hate doing. But I was just well, I just the tweet came up on my phone was talking about the whole Manfred Ken Rosenthal situation. You guys know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an absolute joke, by the way, that MLB Network's going to let him go. He's, yeah. Like, he's on yeah. the field interviewing players at the All-Star game. Uh, he's one of the, he's one of the best national reporters out there. He He's definitely one of my best Twitter followers, uh, for sure. During the offseason, I have his tweet notifications on. Um, the dude's just as plugged in as anyone else. He knows what's going on within the industry, and MLB Network, that's that's just a complete joke that he gets laid off for saying what everyone else is saying. He just has a 
he just has a bigger following to get it out to. Um, I I think it's just absolute clown. Manfred's a clown. Uh, it's just not a good look for the MLB at all. MLB Network, anyone within that uh, organization, franchise, whatever they are. Um, I'm glad he's still working with Fox, though. Fox and one of the athletic, I think it is. Yeah, he's on the athletic sport. a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, whoever, if he can pick up somewhere else, then he'll, be, he'll be so lucky to get him. I know he will, but I don't it, know it will happen until maybe after the lockout's over, which honestly could drag on for months because they haven't even met yet. And I don't know if they will for the rest of the month. And then the next thing you know, we're February and spring training is like two weeks away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like kind of crazy to think that like he's focusing on a freaking reporter in his network, but not focusing on the fact that he might not even have a freaking sport league to play in the coming months. Like Manfred, I ever since the Astro situation back in 2017, when I personally thought the Astro should have been actually severely punished, they cheated. They got caught. And yeah. They, they sure. weren't. They weren't. They yeah. weren't. And like. He did nothing for the situation. He done nothing. Now, there's so and baseballs are becoming a joke, sadly, in the sense of like how people are looking at it. Like I'm sick and tired. By of the way, we haven't even touched on the two different kinds of baseballs that they use during the season. Yeah, I mean that's that's I don't even have a word for that. Other than right now, MLB is just a complete circus. The players' association have every right to hold out for as long as they want. I I'm gonna be pissed off and disappointed if there's not a season but really if the players don't want to negotiate you can't really blame them uh manfred's a joke commissioner and it's it's just becoming a laughing stock it's unfortunate because it's reaching almost nfl goodell territory or maybe it's surpassed I that think, and i honestly i think we're I, way past you that. think you're way past that? i think he's close yeah. to bateman nhl bateman i, I don't know bateman's going go. into the hall of fame so well, the bateman he did make hockey big, but he has made some very terrible decisions in the early of his career that made a lot of people hate him. Goodell is that, right? But I think it's worse on the mall. Bateman's personality makes him a lot easier to hate, and so does Goodell's personality. Goodell just comes across as a bit of a weirdo, but yeah, I mean, Manfred just like if you saw what Manfred was doing, and you weren't a baseball follower. You would ask if you had any, if this guy had any idea what he was doing. It, it seems like the actions of a near desperate man trying to protect his boys' club of the owners and their best interest and in trying to protect his name with the Ken Rosenhall thing. It's kind of an interesting point because Ken <coughs> Rosenthal gets let go of MLB Network. And is there any real parity for it? MLB Network covering the NFL or the MLB. You know what I mean? Like NFL Network covering the NFL. What can you really say badly about it? But if baseball is going to become such like a protected entity when you're literally doing a social experiment using two different types of balls, changing up rules right before wild card games, it's it's ridiculous. And you're, I know you need to try and change the game. What's up? They're just not even following the protocols and guidelines that they put no. in place for COVID. No. That's yeah, no. yeah, true. It's not an example for, like, making a burgeoning, growing sport. Right. MLB should be wanting to reach a new audience right now. Mm-hmm. They're 
deterring the one that they currently have. Yeah. So it's it's not good for a dying sport. It's not good already, but it's definitely not good for a dying sport. No, I know. And like what they need to really do the most is try to get baseball in touch with young younger fans. Because I do know people my age who like the sport because we were kind of the last ones where baseball wasn't dying. Like I think it really started dying down in like two thousand twelve, right after the Phillies started like actually when they started to suck because I think that was around when who was the guy before Manfred Seeger Sully Sully yeah he he kind of destroyed baseball like he had a really great like beginning but then when everything came out about the A-Rod like situation that's when everything started going downhill because people were like oh these players are just using PEDs and stuff and then that's what's caused like just kind of decline of baseball because people started watching sports like basketball. Basketball, like basketball got big in the United States in the past 10 years. Bigger than what I, like it was always big before, but it got a lot bigger. I think even for me personally, I think sadly like basketball surpassed baseball in popularity. Sure. And I, I mean, I can tell you 100%. that look like all of my friends that I went to college with, even the kids I played on the baseball team with, they don't watch a lot of baseball. I don't watch baseball really other than the Phillies. I watch it, and I don't. if you don't haven't played, like, baseball growing up or weren't into it, I, I wouldn't know why you would watch. I mean, games are literally taking three hours. They're the longest they've ever been. At times, it could be like watching paint dry. I mean, basketball is probably the most exciting thing to watch on TV. NHL is fun, or NHL is a hoot. The NFL is always going to be mega popular. So it's this long, slow drag of a game that's kind of – uh, you know, stabbing its own wounds in terms of just not appealing to anyone at a younger rate. And it's hard because, I, I mean, look, there's, there's, we could go into a thousand different theories on this. I think the shift is killing the game a little bit. I think you need to let players have the juiced up balls. I think you need to have them use substances. I think you need to do everything to make it more exciting instead of having this, you know, we have the shift, we're going to play just to win versus it's no fun to watch when, you know, you have men on base and then there's a ground ball up the middle and it's a double play because the, you know, short stops behind second base. No, and that's what they're even trying to do to speed games up now because that's what they want. They just want these games to go as fast as you can. And, like, I kind of even – it's kind of even changing, like, the MLB games because I don't remember there ever being a shift in, like, the older MLB games until I started playing this year when, like, players would just ship around. I'm like, why are they – how are they moving? It's just that's what's happening to the game. It's it's now becoming like it's it's Dylan, almost like you're talking about like the show games, like the video game. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I know what you're saying. Now. Is it is it in the video game? It's, yeah, it's in the video yeah, game. Oh <laughs> you see it on like the bottom of the screen, it's like defense is now in this shift and like I didn't even put them there, but whatever. Yeah, like I I legit I think I played with uh Raphael Davies, like the Red Sox shortstop or second baseman. Oh, Zevers got yeah. big this year. He, uh, I, hit, I, they moved the players, and I got a bad double play because, like, of the shift. I'm like, this is stupid. Like, I stopped playing after that game. But like, I think that's the point. Like, baseball is they're trying to make scientific stuff when they're really like not doing anything. Like, I think we're at a point where we just have to like pray that. Manfred's gone, then the people are saying like, oh, the next person in line is going to be bad. Then clear house. Make, find some, find other people. Don't keep the old people in there. Make a whole new area. 
make it so that people can go into the games, into this league, Senator Commissioner. Sorry, my brain just like blizzard. You're well, good. That's what, I, I had no work yesterday, so like I was just resting all day. But what I'm trying to say is, we need a new commissioner, new vice presidents of the of the companies and stuff to actually come in and take control and fix baseball to make it more popular. Because it still is popular. Little League is still popular. It does extremely well in regional markets. You know, with like the fan bases, it does very well, but it just doesn't compete with a younger audience. Like the average baseball fan is literally in their 60s, and it doesn't do well on a national scale. But, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? It's pretty cool. Uh, Yeah, I agree 100% with everything you said. Um, I just, I was thinking in one way that it might be able to make games a little bit more fun. That might be by uh, limiting the amount of pickoff attempts you can have. There you go. Uh, Say if you kept it to three in inning, that's, that's, uh, it's a better pace of play. Base runners are going to have more freedom. Uh, It's going to bring back stolen bases, which the game keeps saying that they wanted to bring back. Um, it's going to lead to more runs being scored and people would rather see offense than defense. I mean, don't get me wrong, shutouts are great, no hitters are awesome, but whenever you have a game that finishes 2-1, like, it's awful. <laughs> that's boring. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, in general, it's just more fun for the fans. I think whenever you have a guy like Bryce Harper on base who runs the bases, like, like his ass is on fire, um, you know it's pretty much a guarantee that he'll steal a second base because he just mm. the dude wants to win. And when you have players like that, it'll it'll improve the defense too. Um, like catchers are gonna have better arms. Uh, shortstop, second base, you're gonna have to get like there will be more hobby biases, tags, um, and there's players also gonna be to like wild plays, throws. Yeah. yeah, there's there will be wild throws that go into. Uh, second base or in the center field, um, and then there's going to be like more still homes too, which which is cool. Um, I don't know if we're running a little long here. What do you guys think as far as time? Sure, I'm yeah, done. I think, I'm done I think we're at the 45 minutes soon. threshold. Yeah, we, we're at 43 minutes right now, so we cool. sh- we're about the end of like the limit of what we were thinking. Okay. But, uh, well, uh, awesome. If there's any uh, last points uh, you guys want to make, real quick. Um. Well, no. I just want to say it was really nice talking to you guys right now. Like, this is the first time we're really doing this podcast, like, and all around. It's really cool, like, how we all came together. Like, we're all part of the same organization for views. And I just want to say I'm really excited to be starting this with you guys every week. Yeah, I'm. I'm pumped. Uh, never even seen you guys before, so I'm glad I got to do that. And. Uh, I guess listeners go check us out on Philadelphia Sports Nation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, just to uh, piggyback on what Austin said, I'm really excited for uh, where this could go and what opportunities it could open for all three of us, and uh, just like how much fun we can have doing this and where we can go with it. So, uh, huge thanks to everyone who's going to listen and. It was awesome being able to get on here with you guys and talk Phil's for a little bit. All right. That's well, awesome. that, will con- that will conclude the first podcast of the 215 Seamer. Again, just repeat, I am Austin Jass, co-host, along with Connor Doherty, 
Ample, I'm so excited that you guys were able to listen. And I hope you guys all have a lovely night. Thank you, everyone. See you guys. See you guys.